John chapter 8, Gospel of John chapter 8. The Jews and the Pharisees are struggling at the teaching of Jesus, specifically his identity. They're struggling with him, and they did, and they always did, because they couldn't understand the simplicity of Jesus coming as a babe, lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, common, no grand entry. It was not the king they were envisioning. At the beginning of this chapter, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman to Jesus who had just been caught in the very act of adultery. And uh, just as guilty as she could be, they sat her in the temple in the very midst, the Bible says, and they did this for three reasons, to publicly shame this woman, to validate their own status and approval rating. You see, if you caught somebody in sin, you were, you were doing a great job. To put Jesus on the spot, they tried to paint him into a corner. See, we have to understand this about Jesus because his teachings had already been messing with them. Jesus came to mess with them. He came to set the record straight on his identity. They missed who he was. He was God manifest in the flesh. And they messed with him, and he messed with them and their theology. And that day, when he accused the accusers and forgave the guilty, it messed them up. Amen. That sets the stage for where we are right now in chapter 8. And this is a very powerful understanding because every Jew considered themselves a direct descendant of Abraham. He was their father, their patriarch, and everything pointed back to Abraham. And what they were struggling with was Jesus making a reverent reference to Abraham. Let's read in 52 of chapter 8. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. They couldn't comprehend it. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? In other words, they were accusing him of saying he was the Messiah, but there's no way because Abraham is greater and there's no way that Jesus could precede him because he was only 30-some years old. Jesus said, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that, hath honored, that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. 
Before Abraham was, I am. Everyone say, I am. Then he then took they stones up to cast at him. They were going to stone him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. I want to talk to us about the God of before. Amen. He's the God of before. Would you just lift your hands and ask God to speak to you a personal word of revelation today through the word of God. Lord, I thank you for the generality of your word. God, that it covers all of us, but Lord, there's a specific revelation, God, that you want to grant to us as individuals today in this house. Let your word come forth unhindered, Lord. Let it accomplish what it wants to do, what you send it to do. Let it prosper in us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of the Lord. Amen. The Jews literally accused Jesus of being possessed with the devil. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being that wrong? Amen. They didn't know him. They were just taking some words that they wanted to twist and misuse. And uh, they were using it for their advantage or trying to by saying, Jesus is possessed with a devil. They were trying to discredit his word and discredit his identity. Amen. Because his claim to be greater than Abraham and the prophets of the Old Testament, they couldn't handle Jesus' claim to have seen and known Abraham. There's no way they were just uh, conflicted in their human understanding because they're limited in their revelation of who Jesus was. They looked at him as a man under 50 years old. And he was. But they didn't know he was God manifest in the flesh. They didn't know the I am was standing in front of them. They just uh, thought that this was Jesus, some man, some prophet, uh, some person that had uh, self-proclaimed himself to be a Messiah. But uh, uh, when they took into consideration what he was saying, they called it blasphemy. Amen. Uh, you're not even 50 years old, yet you claim to be the Messiah. And in verse 58, uh, and this is my main text today, the straw that broke the camel's back, Jesus said, uh, not only have I seen him, but verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Amen. And uh, if you take that for face value, uh, it means what it says. I am. He didn't say, oh, yeah, I, I was before Abraham, or I am now in referencing back to Abraham, or one day I'll see Abraham. He said, I am. Amen. That means that I have always been. And, and it made them so angry that they tried to stone Jesus, but he escaped them. And I believe there is a great revelation and lesson here today for all of us to learn. Praise God. The lesson is don't make the same mistake the Jews made in limiting God by using your limited reference to try to comprehend him. Don't use your limited understanding of God to try to comprehend him. Because if you try to bring, uh, amen, the eternal God down into your little human mind and thinking, you're going to dilute him down into your level. 
You're going to confine him. You're going to limit him. And the Jews were limiting Jesus because they said, there's no way you could have been back when Abraham existed. There's no way you knew him, but he did know him. Amen. And he was actually, amen, way before him. The revelation is this, to understand that he is the God of before and he is not a reactionary God. I said our God is not a reactionary God. I think sometimes we approach him like he's a reactionary God. Like, hey, we've got some news for you, Jesus. Uh, we want to tell you about our situation. Uh, hey, man, you probably didn't catch it this week. You were busy with everyone else. Uh, but I've got a situation that I need you to help me with. You see, the, the lesson is, is we can, we can bring Jesus down to our reference point uh, and we miss who he really is. But the revelation is this, uh, that he is the God of before my situation and he is not reactionary in nature. He never has been, nor will he ever be. It's when we start expanding our understanding of who Jesus is uh, that we begin to say, hey, wait a minute, God is not caught off guard by my situation. God is not... Be prepared. He's not uninformed. He's not surprised. He's not outdated. He's not late. He's not late because of your perception. He's not late because of what I understand about the situation. He's not at a loss concerning your life or your situation. We're serving the God of before, not the God of during. I said we're serving the God of before, not the God of during. We're serving the God of before, not the God of, uh, you know, after. He's not waiting to show up after you pray. He's already activated into your situation. It didn't catch him off guard. It hasn't caught him by surprise. Now, he is the God of during, and he is the God of after, but he is first the God of before. We struggle sometimes because we're only able to live in the present tense. Hello? Some of us are kind of concerned about, you know, what we're going to eat today already. Got one? Yeah. You know you're getting hungry already. Present tense. Oh, I wonder how it's going to turn out. I, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. And some people are already in next week trying to figure out situations. And you're thinking, oh, I, I've got this coming down the horizon this week. And I wonder if God's aware of my need. Can I tell you, he's not only aware of your need, but he was present. Amen. Whenever that need ar arose, amen, he's going to be there when you get to it. You're the one stuck in today. You're the one that, if you're not careful, you'll limit him to your understanding right now of what's going on. We're only able to live in this present tense called time. And everything we know is based on time. The Jews were basing everything off of the reference of Abraham. Be careful you don't reference everything in your walk with God off of something that happened in your past. We've either been through something, you're going through something, or you're preparing to go through something, and it all relates to time. 
That's what testimonies are. Hey, when I went through this situation and God brought me through that situation, now I point back to that and I give God praise and that's good. That's a testimony. But if I'm just limited to a testimony, amen, I'm missing what God is trying to do in the present. Amen, because he's a present help in time of need. He is right here, right now. Amen. And we cannot miss who he is. Jesus gave this scripture in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. He said, I am. Does that sound familiar? I am. That's how he describes himself because there's never a time when he was not or is not. I am Alpha and Omega. And it's amazing because he describes himself as the I am. And then he says, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm beginning and end and in the middle. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is present, which was past, which is to come, the future, the Almighty. He declares his nature first, uh, amen, and then he defines it in the second statement. I just am. I exist. I'm the eternal one. I am. I am. My beginning meets the end, and it continues in the eternal state of my being. I don't know the end, and I don't know the beginning because I've always been. I want to short-circuit your mind right now. Amen. Maybe you've done this exercise, but have you ever tried to think, where did God come from? Just me? It's a good exercise because you'll quickly get a feedback that says, just forget about it, goofball. Trust me that I am the eternal God. Amen. I can't, I can't answer you this morning. Where did God come from? He just always has been. It takes more faith to believe evolution. Because you got to answer this question to answer evolution. If you say, well, evolution's easier to uh, comprehend because I can, it, it started with matter. But here's the question for us today. Where did the matter come from? Where did the Big Bang come from? Where did the thing that exploded come from? It came from this eternal God who says, I am that I am. I am. He's the God of I am. Amen. He's already, amen, your God today, yesterday, and forever. Don't get stuck in time. You know, God says, I've never left your yesterday. I can't leave your yesterday. I'm eternal. My clock doesn't tick. I don't have a clock. That means the God that was in your, your situation five years ago is still there. And he's already in five years from now. What, what, what's important about that? God, who took care of something five years ago, was arranging it and aligning it up for what was going to come five years down the road. 
Are we, are, we, are we willing to embrace this I am concept? Because God is not stuck in time and he is not limited to what you can figure out and how you can try to make God fit everything together and work it out. It just is the way he is. I know we're stretching our brains a little bit this morning, but, but let's look at Isaiah 46 to help bring this into some clarity. And if you really want to cramp your mind, just meditate on where the beginning is. And it's not, uh, you know, in the beginning, God. That's what the Word says, in the beginning. But the beginning is a reference point of time for you and I. God has always been. I've never left you yesterday. I'm already in your tomorrow. <laughs> it all takes faith, folks. It's just a matter of where you're going to put your faith. Before there was a design, there had to be a designer. Before there's a building, there has to be an architect. It has to exist in someone's mind before it exists in physicality and in matter. Oh, how many recently celebrated a birthday? Anybody? Yeah, a few of us. That's not your beginning. That's when you entered time. You're an eternal soul. You've always existed in the mind and the eye of God. There's no time that you've never existed because God had you mapped out from the beginning of time. And He just inserted you into time according to His will. You see, He's big enough to do that. He's big enough to know who you are. And how can I say that? Because I believe that God does nothing by happenstance. He is not an accidental God. There are no accidents in the building. You may have been a surprise to somebody, but you were not an accident. There are some surprises in the building, but there are no accidents, amen, because God does not make mistakes. God does not waste souls. God does not waste his effort, amen. You are an on-purpose being, amen, that God has had in his mind from eternity. Mm, boy, that sure gets rid of some poor self-worth, doesn't it? You see, that's the problem. We, we don't have a good uh, image of ourselves because we don't understand who we are. And I mean, this isn't about glorifying flesh. This is about understanding God, amen, and His plan, amen. You, you are, are so important to God, there's only one of you. There's only one you. There's only one face like yours. There's only one personality like yours. There's only one, uh, amen, uh, existence like yours. There's a your fingerprints, your hair, your DNA. It's all unique to you. You see, before there was design, there was a designer. And before there was a building, there was an architect. And before there was a person, there was a creator. The Lord asked a very powerful question in Isaiah 46, as he so often does. Then he answers it with great clarity. To whom will you liken me, verse 5, and make me equal? To whom will you compare me that we may be alike or be like? 
They lavished gold out of the bag and weigh silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith and maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder. They carry him. They set him in his place, and he standeth. From his place shall he not remove. Yea, one shall cry unto him, yet can he not answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Remember this, and show yourself men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure." Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Now God's setting the record straight here. He said, you, you may see idols, and they're made out of gold, and you can go sit them in your house. You can go sit them in, in a temple. You can put them in place, but you can cry all day long to them. You can pray all you want to them, and they're not going to hear you. They're not going to answer you, but let me tell you who I am. I am not a God of this world. I am not a God of human abilities and limitations. I am the God, amen, that knows all things and works the end from the beginning. Amen. I call those things that are not as though they are, and I am the eternal God. I am God. There is none else. There is none like me. This is what separates me, he said in verse 10. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. In other words, uh, I call things from the end, and I look back and reach into the beginning, and I bring them forward into time, and I cause them to manifest themselves in time. Why? Because I am the God who is not limited to time or the present state. I declare the end from the beginning. From ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, or I will accomplish my will. I have spoken it, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it and will do it. Amen. There's not a person sitting here today, amen, that God is limited to. Amen. He is not confined. There's nothing he can't do. Amen. And your life, you're sitting here this morning, and you're wondering, you got situations in your mind that you're trying to figure out and work it out uh, instead of just uh, limiting God to what you think he can do right now understand that God is in all time and all space and just because you haven't seen it manifest yet doesn't mean it already exists in the plan of God God declared what makes him God is the fact that he can be present in your conception. At the very same time, be present while you're drawing your last breath. Hello? God was present when you were conceived, 
And he is present as you're taking your last breath. So do you think that if he's that present at your beginning and at your end, that he's not that present right now? That we're somehow reluctant to put our trust in God, that he's got the whole thing taken care of. All the while, he knows every step you'll take along the way. He wants us to understand that he's not just God who gets acquainted with us when we decide to show an interest in Him. You think the first time God considered you was when you responded to Him and came to this altar? He's God. He created you. He dispatched you from the portals of heaven and put you into a body and said you will exist from this time forward. And you will be uniquely you for eternity. He wants us to understand that he's not just a God who decides to show up. When you decide to show interest in him, he's always been. He's just waiting for us to recognize the fact that he has always been our Savior and our God. He's a God of before. He knew your name before your parents did. He knew your hair color. He knew your eye color. Oh, here's one for the 2023 crowd. He knew your gender. Let me just tell you something. God wasn't confused when he picked you off the shelf. You were male or female. And whatever he said you were is what you are. And whoever else says there's something different, they don't know the God that I know because he's the I am. He is the God of heaven. He is the God who knows all things, who purposes all things after the counsel of his own will. Yeah, he said, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will also do it. God's a God of purpose. He's on purpose. He's on purpose. I said he's on purpose. He's intentional. He's not accidental. Amen. He didn't get confused with you. God is not the author of confusion. Amen. Men can get confused. People will confuse themselves. Let me tell you why confusion comes, and I'll get off of it. Amen. The Bible says that we, because people don't receive a love for the truth, that God, everyone say God. God will send people strong delusions. If people start uh, embracing something than other, other than what God says we are and who God says we are and what his word says I am, amen, then I don't love that. I start waffling around and start, uh, you know, just playing, uh, playing God and saying, well, I'm not that. I'm not what God said I was. Then get ready because confusion begins to start taking over. Getting off of that. David said it this way in Psalm 71, 6, By thee have I been holding up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. 
my praise shall continually be of thee. Yeah, God's the one that brought you out of your mother's womb because God's the one that put you in your mother's womb. Amen? Praise God. I've been holding up by the hand of the Lord. Isaiah 49.1, The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Sorry, parents. You can get all the name books you want. God already knew our name before the doctor said, it's a boy. Hello? Y'all out there? Amen. I'm not crazy. That's what the Word says. The Lord knew my name before I came forth. He knew my name. He, he knew everything about me. He knew everything about you. And so why do we think we're going to blindside God with something about our life? He's God of before. He's omnipresent. He's in all places at the same time. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful at all times. He's omniscient. He knows all. And in every situation, He is aware of what's going on. He, amen, declares the end from the beginning. And this is what the Lord is trying to help us with this morning. Amen. He's the God of before. Everyone say before. Before you were born, he knew about you. Before, amen, you existed, he had your life, uh, amen, planned out. Uh, amen. I know we're pe beings of choice, but I'm saying he knew what family you were going to be in. He knew what state you were going to be in. He knew what place you were going to be in. He put you here on purpose. Uh, and the Bible says that he, amen, is the one that sets you in the body of Christ as it pleases him. So everything about your life is about him and him being pleased by his decisions. We spend a lot of our time and energy worrying about things that God has already covered. Hello? We spend a lot of our energy and time worrying and trying to figure it out. God, do you not know the way that I take? And we know through reading the Word of God that Job and David and people throughout Scripture have struggled with this because in their own life and in our humanity, we struggle sometimes when we get our eyes down here instead of keeping them where they belong and trusting in God. And Job finally got his eyes back up there because he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He knoweth the way that I take. Amen. I may not see him on the right, the left, behind, or before me, but I'm trusting in a God who brought me into this world, and before I existed, he has a plan for me. He has a plan for you, and it's all for his glory. Amen. Somebody needs to give God praise that he has a plan. You're not an accident. You're not just wandering through life. God has a plan. God has a purpose. He's got a counsel. He's got an eternal pathway. Yeah. Stop. Wasting your energy and your time worrying about things he's already covered. When he was just teaching the disciples to pray, he said, Don't use vain repetitions trying to get my attention with your much speaking. For the Father 
knoweth what things you have need of. When? Before. Now this is simple. Your father knows what you have need of before. Oh, wait. I thought I had to go over here and spend three hours praying, not minimizing prayer, so let's keep this in context, all right? But, like, I got to go over here and really inform God of what I'm going through because he probably doesn't know anything about me. He's got so many people to take care of. When the Bible says that Jesus taught them to pray and said, you're going to ask the Lord to do this, but guess what? He knows what you have need of before. In other words, your week didn't take him off guard. Your situation didn't catch God in a... Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do now? God knew before, and when you pray, you're just aligning up with what God has ordained before. Hmm. Before you ask him. Yes, we need to ask him. But understand this, you're not asking to inform God. You're asking to agree with God. Sometimes we think our prayer is to inform God. Yeah, I know the lady was coming. He said, consider what the unjust judge. Yeah, we know that. You still have to come and pray and seek. But understand this. It sure does make a big difference when I know that he's not an unjust judge. He just said, consider the unjust judge. And if he'll do it, understand how much more I want to do it. not saying don't pray absolutely not he was simply teaching them that he is not surprised by your need he's already at work in your situation before you get there and I'm convinced that God is not reactionary or reactive rather he is proactive what is proactive proactive is creating creating or controlling a situation by causing something to happen rather than responding to it after it has happened. God is proactive. He's not reactionary. He's proactive. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose his purpose what is his purpose his pre-existing condition of the situation it didn't just come to blindside you and God it came to glorify him through your situation he is not reactionary he is proactive he didn't just show up after the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace Now, we get that vision, right? Because in the Word, it says that when they threw them in, there was one as the fourth man in the fire. We think, oh, Jesus showed up, you know, uh, 911. My boys are in trouble. How'd they get in this furnace? Now, that's one way to look at it, but I believe it was this way. Jesus knew they were about to be thrown. Yeah, he's Jesus, but he's God of the Old Testament.
understands he's got three Hebrew boys that are demonstrating their faith in him. And he says, I'm not going to let these guys be embarrassed. I'm not going to show up after they get thrown in there. I'm going to go ahead and get in the fire and be waiting on them. The Lord didn't just show up in the fire. He was in the fire waiting on them, and the fire just revealed that nothing that was going to happen to them was going to take him off guard. Can I tell you today, I don't care how hot the furnace has been turned up, the Lord is waiting in that situation to reveal himself to you in a way you've never known him before. Ah, he's in the fire. He's already there. He's been waiting for you. It did not catch him off guard. It did not catch him off guard. Don't let it catch you off guard. Yeah. They didn't have time to pray. It killed the dudes that threw them in there. Why didn't they die? Why didn't they die with the guards that threw them in? It was so hot that it killed the men that were throwing them in. I'll tell you why. Because the Lord was already present. He was already shielding them. He is the consuming fire. And when the consuming fire was in the man's fire, the man's fire was being consumed by the God fire. Somebody needs to get a revelation today. There's nothing too hot that God can't swallow up. There's nothing too hard that God can't go before you. God was so in it that not a hair of their head was singed. You can't even roast a marshmallow without getting some hair singed on your body. Let alone a a fiery furnace meant to incinerate people. He didn't show up in the fire. He was already in the fire. It revealed him. God didn't call Jack Hanna. Send some help down here to the den. You'll get that at lunch when you're just a few few minutes. Hey, we, we got a guy here that refuses to stop praying. His name is Daniel. And uh, he's, he's about to be in some trouble. No? The Lord already knew. Man of prayer. Man of faith. Man of consistency. Unfair to think that a man that prayed that much and loved God that much would be thrown into a den of starving, ravenous lions. But, amen, God says, you know what? I'm going to go ahead of Daniel, and I'm going to go down into that pit, and I'm going to shut those mouths so that when Daniel comes down into the pit, those lions can't even touch him. I hope this isn't too elementary or Sunday school for us, because... 
for every lion's den that we read about here, there are some dens of lions that we face in life uh, that, that the world would have us consumed in. Amen. We know that it's real because the Bible says that when God delivered uh, Daniel, amen, that when they threw the other people in the pit, uh, that the lions devoured them before they ever hit the bottom of the pit. That's what was intended for Daniel, but because God went before him, the lions couldn't even develop an appetite to get to him, amen, because they had already been defeated or silenced or neutralized. Didn't say he wouldn't have to face a den, but it does say that he brought them out of the den because God is a God of before. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus told his disciples, Amen, let us pass over to the other side. Turn to somebody and say, let us pass over. Now, the, Jesus said that before they ever left the shore. Before. He said that before the storm ever started blowing. He said that before anything ever went wrong on the voyage. Jesus told his disciples, let us. He didn't say, you guys go on over. He said, let us, including him, pass over to the other side. And as they got on the ship and began to the other side, the Bible says a storm arose and the waves began to fill the boat that they were on. And Jesus was asleep on a pillow. You know these stories, but I'm trying to get us to see that God is the God of before. Before the storm arose, before the waves started to come into the boat, before panic set in, and before they got their eyes on the storm and thought they were going to die, before that, Jesus said, hey, we're going to the other side. They woke him up. Care us not that we perish. They were in their present. They had forgotten what had happened before. I said they had forgotten what Jesus just said before they left. The present blinded them from what Jesus said before. Isn't it amazing how our trouble can blind us and cause us to go deaf compared to what Jesus just said and what he's just encouraged us to believe? Sunday night, Sunday morning, in the Word of God, in this atmosphere, we have great faith because God says something. And then by Thursday, we're looking at the storm saying, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And the Lord says, I've already given you a word. I've already given you something to tell you that that's not going to be the final destination. That's just the process of the trip. That's just a stop at the lion's den. That's just a stop in the fiery furnace. That's just a stop along the way. It's a temporary place in the journey. Jesus rose and rebuked the wind and he said, How is it that you have no faith in what I said before? Because in verse 1 of chapter 5 it says, And when they came over, to the other side. 
The revelation is this. The difference between Jesus and the disciples is the disciples were trusting in a boat to get them to the other side, and Jesus was already on the other side. The moment Jesus said, let us go to the other side, and his, he was already there. He was already there because he is the I am. He wasn't waiting for it to happen. They were on a boat thinking, how are we going to get to the other side? And Jesus was saying, I'm already on the other side. We're already on the other side. Because my word said, let us go to the other side. Because I said it, it's done. Stop trusting in boats when you have the word of God. You're going to the other side. Jesus is not going to let you perish. Carest not that we perish? He said, wait a minute. I used a word that should bring you comfort. I said, let us go to the other side. Jesus is on your boat today, friend. He's in your situation. And it is going to turn out for your good. He's always been the God of before. If you're here and you need salvation, there's good news today. He's the God of before. You see, before you ever felt any kind of tug or draw on your heart to repent, He already died for you. He already shed His blood for us. He already made provision. He's already provided an altar. He's already got His name and, and baptism that can wash away our sins. And he, He's already died and, and resurrected because uh, His Spirit is waiting to fill you with the Holy Ghost because He's already, amen, taken the uh, necessary steps to provide, amen, salvation for us. Aren't you thankful today that He did it before, before you needed Him, amen, He was there. He's already declared the end from the beginning. Amen. It's God's will for you. What is God's will for you? That he declared it before you were born. Joseph had a dream. And God gave him that dream before he ever landed in Pharaoh's palace. We forget the fact that during the pit and during the Lies and everything that Potiphar's wife tried to pin on Joseph and the defamation of his character lied on him and said, this man tried to make advances at me and he tried to do all of this stuff and then Joseph ends up in prison. But the God, Bible says that God was with Joseph and God was with Joseph. But I've got news for you. God was with Joseph before anything happened, before, amen, before he was put into a pit and before his brothers ever, amen, conspired to make up this story because God had said, this is what's going to happen before he gave him a dream that said, you know what, I'm the God of before. Let me prepare you, Joseph. You're going to go through some processing, but let me tell you how the end's going to work out. I'm going to tell you before it happens so that when it happens, you're not knocked off of your, uh, you're not knocked off of your bearing point. You're going to be able to keep on going and keep believing and trusting in me. I'm hoping somebody in the house today understands that God has given you word after word. He's given you encouragement. Amen. He's, he's told you it's going to be all right, but sometimes in the middle of a storm, sometimes in the middle of a situation, we get blinded by the fact that 
that something is happening in our present and it blinds us to, to what God said and, and what he has planned for us and what he said before it's going to happen.